the greatest advance in television since color television itself. Okay, boys, here we go. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Not A Bomb Watches Cowboy Bebop. This is episode 13. This is the series finale. I am one of your hosts, Brad Anderson. With me, as always, is Troy Sauer. Troy, we did it. We made it to the end. Kind of sad. It is kind of sad. I mean, I'm I'm glad after, I don't know, when did we start this? Six months ago? <laughs> it was like November. I looked. It was November. Okay. So, you know. It took a while to was, get here. Yeah. 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 Uh, with us again, as always, is the man with the thick beard, Sammy from the GGTMC. How are you? Doing good, Brad. Doing good, Troy. How y'all doing? Uh, timeout. Um, I, I believe his official name is Fresh Funky Sammy. Oh yes. <laughs> so let's. That, yes, well, that is that is for another show. And <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. 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 Okay. And since we are wrapping up Cowboy Bebop, we had to bring in a special special guest. Uh, he is Zoe from the Backlook Cinema Podcast. Zoe, welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, yo. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I, I love this podcast. No, it's good to be back on here to talk about Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, we have uh, been wanting to get you back, and you reached out and was like, hey, let me talk about the uh, series finale. And I was like, of course. Uh, so a little, <laughs> little background. Tell the listeners, like, is this the first time you've watched Cowboy Bebop, or have you been watching along with us? Give us a little background. Yeah, I've actually been watching along with you. I had been planning to watch Cowboy Bebop for a long time because first it was available on Hulu, I think. And then uh, later on, it became available on Netflix. And I just kept pushing it back and pushing it. It's just like one of those things. Like there are a lot of animated shows that I wanted to watch. Like um, I'm trying to think uh, the the one with the, um, uh, the the kid with the arrow on his head. What is that called again? Oh, <laughs> wanted to- Avatar. <laughs> Avatar. I, I wanted oh, to watch like, Avatar. Not like, <laughs> yeah. not like the arrow, like no, 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 the, arrow, the, the like arrow, the arrow, yeah, down. Yeah. Okay. arrow it, pointing it, down. A, there we go. Right, there is an arrow on his forehead. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> I I had been planning on watching that uh, Cowboy Bebop, um, Robotech, and a couple of others since they've been uh, available and streaming. I just never gotten around to it. So when you guys started to do it, and then Zach, my son, he actually had bought the series. He he bought the series on Blu-ray. So I was like, well, shoot, all of this. Uh, Universal pressure suggests that I should start watching, and, and then there was the announcement that they're doing a live action on Netflix. So I was like, all the Universal pressure suggests that I should go ahead and watch Cowboy Bebop, especially since it was only twenty four episodes. So yeah, this is my first watch. I was familiar with it uh, back in nineteen ninety six, but I just never knew when it was coming on, or uh, and I just didn't take the time to try to catch it. So I was I was glad to be able to do this rewatch with you guys. I, I gotta be honest, awesome. Zoe, that surprises me because when I listen to your podcast, you and your son, especially in the earlier episodes, do talk a lot of anime. And I've picked up some recommendations and, and kind of written it down because I'm I'm not big into anime. Brad is kind of forcing me there. I've seen some of the, you know, major shows or movies. 
not a lot of the TV shows, but it surprised me that you had not seen Cowboy Bebop because of all the anime that you do talk about on your podcast. Right, right. As a matter of fact, like Zach is way more into anime than I am because like he grew up with Dragon Ball Z. He's heavy into Dragon Ball Z. And even though he doesn't remember, there was a another show that he watched called Initial D. I've only seen a couple of episodes of that. And that's a, like a real low key type of anime. It's, it's, it's a dragon. Could have, yeah, it's it could have easily been a live action drama. As, it, it is. As it's well a Hong Kong film. I've seen the Hong Kong right. film. It's good. Right. Yeah. And then uh, and then I, I especially like anime film, like especially this one called Vampire Hunter D, which is almost impossible to get the original version nowadays. But I remember when I watched it when it first came out. And then um, just just random anime just so happened to come on television. And then there were some shows that I thought were anime, but not exactly. They were anime in the same way Power Rangers is is American television. <laughs> so it's they made uh, so like Voltron, for example, they made Voltron the exact same way they made. The Power Rangers. They took they took some clips from some uh from a Japanese TV show that happened to be popular, and they cobbled it together into a narrative for American audiences. So with the Power Rangers, uh, the Saban production company, they just did it with one show. But with uh, with Voltron, for example, it was cobbled together from like three different anime shows. They just took those three shows and they kind of <laughs> sewed up a narrative for American audiences. I had no idea about that until I saw a video about that. So it's technically an anime because it's all Japanese animation, but it's not, <laughs> a, it's not a, 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 they didn't use a story from the anime. So I'm not getting the story. I'm just getting the animation and that's it. <laughs> None of the story. So, um, I didn't but know that. I did. Huh. Yeah. So there was a lot of anime that I, I, that I watched, but like Zach is way more into it than I am. Cool. Awesome. Well, guys, I think we're going to kind of tackle the, the the series finales as one episode. So I will kind of synopsize both of them and we'll talk to them because I, you know what, at this point in time, I can't distinguish what happens in the first part one or part two. So I figure we'll just talk about the series finale and then we'll talk about, you know, kind of our overall uh, feelings about the show. So uh, the real Funk Blues Part One. Faye briefly teams up with Julia uh, when she assists her escape from the Red Dragon Hit Squad. It relays a message to Spike about Julia's whereabouts. Spike and Julia finally reunite. The Bebop is severely damaged by the Hit Squad and follows Faye back to the ship. And then in Part Two, we have Vicious claims leadership of the Red Dragon Syndicate. And uh, Julia and Spike are finally reunited. The two plan to run away as before, but Spike still feels the desire for revenge, leading to a final confrontation with Vicious and the Syndicate. Uh, so, <laughs> Troy, I will start with you because you're on my top left there. Uh, give us your thoughts, your, your, your thoughts on the finale. Uh, oh, and, and spoiler alert, we're, we can't talk about this episodes without spoiling the hell out of it. So if you haven't seen the end, we're, we're spoiling 100% of what happens. Okay. I, I don't know about you guys. I didn't know what to expect with the ending. I mean, when, when we go into this, Ayn's gone, uh, which I miss Ayn right out of the gate. Ed's not there. And I know it came out swinging hard with Ed, not liking the very first episode with Ed, but I, I, she was missed. However, this is Spike's story. 
So this this last part is 100% Spike story. This is his third act, in my opinion. Um, it answers a lot of questions and provides closure for Spike. I feel if John Woo had directed an anime, this is exactly <laughs> what he would have delivered. And and I was thinking about this, like these last two episodes could easily be attached to other episodes that concentrated on Vicious and Julia specifically. And and you would make one impressive anime film, I think. Now you wouldn't have any of the character development that comes from all of the other episodes, but um it, it would make for a solid action film. Yeah, if you put this in like Ballad of Fallen Angels and then followed by part one and part two of this, I think you have like a like a hundred and like not a like a hour and twenty minute movie. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think Ghost in the Shell did that with some of the second season, and they were taking episodes to make, and they released them on Blu-ray for like these little segments. So you know, you would take the story arcs and get it by itself, and you wouldn't have to go through the whole series. Mm. So uh, like the standalone complex. Or yeah, the it standalone is. complex. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I just uh, I'm torn on this one, it, and and here's here's the reason why. I think it is a fantastic uh, conclusion to the series. Everything makes sense in terms of how it plays out from a story perspective. It has a fantastic finale. I think the it has a very much um, a cinematic ending. And for me, you forget that these are hand-drawn characters because they make you feel so much. But I, I do have some questions that I'm struggling with that at the end of the day... I, I think these questions, I don't ask them to kind of go, hey, let me poke holes in the story or in what they delivered from a finale. But I think it adds, um, I, I don't know, it, it just makes it for a good series when you walk away and you start questioning some things. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you guys, um, do, Faye, do Faye and Spike have closures as characters? And, and I thought this was interesting because our two bounty hunters that are on television. Do you mean Jet and Faye or, or Spike? Oh, sorry. Jet and Faye. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Jet, because Spike has closure, right? This, yes. this is his yes. story. But um, I, I, I feel like Jet and Faye, they come to this episode. Faye has wrapped up a majority of her story, but she ends in a very specific place. It's very similar to Spike. Um. Jet gets sidelined, I think, for the majority of it. And I thought it was interesting that in the background, like when Faye is sitting at the airport, you get this final chapter of the bounty hunters um, that were doing the TV show or the hosts. Uh, and the one is there to pick up his mom. And he says, oh, well, my partner married like the the producer or something like that. And so you get a nice wrapped up. Here's where everybody ends here. But I, I, I'm just curious with. With your thoughts, um, do do Jet and Faye have closure the way that Spike does? Oh, anybody can just jump in? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Zoe. You go first. Uh yeah, I think I think uh they have closure. It's not it's not a happy closure, but they they do kind of ha- have a closure. We we see kind of where they end up and we can speculate where they go on from there. But um, and particularly like you had alluded to, Faye's story kind of wrapped up earlier and um and jet is just going to be jet like it's not he's he's not going to like change who he is it's more in in all likelihood he's going to eventually get the bebop repair and he's going to continue on on his life as a bounty hunter 
but uh but where they end up like where the series ends it's it's i feel like they have received closure but it's in a sad way okay uh i i think what this show has kind of taught us is is there so much going on outside of what we're seeing with these characters that yes jet doesn't really get that moment in, in the sun like spike does but we know based on his character that you know spike and these people have come in and out of his life um and there will probably be another crew at some point in time on the bebop doing the same thing him being that father figure for people so yes he made these relationships with people and obviously him and spike have their last moment together and it's pretty powerful but there might be another spike one day uh for jet um and i i wholeheartedly believe that he will seek out and find those people who need him as like a mentor. Um, Faye, on the other hand, I always feel like her last kind of conclusion with Spike before he leaves is her tackling her past by trying to talk, you know, Spike out of, you know, fighting with his. Um, so she's kind of come full circle as, as a character, but yeah, she kind of got her moment last episode and I kind of wish she did something a little bit more in this one, but you know, this is the conclusion of the spike story and it just kind of is what it is. So I'm going to take a different approach. Um, not because you guys, I think I agree with everything y'all are saying, but I feel like for me, you know, obviously I didn't see it at the time, but seeing the wrap up story here and everything else, I realize now, and I think I may have said this on a previous episode, that sometimes Spike takes a back seat in some of these episodes. But I still realize now that the whole thing is really, in a lot of ways, his story. It's it's his destiny, right? I mean, we're established that in the beginning, and we see it here at the end. Um, we get glimpses of it throughout. At the heart of this, it's a revenge story yeah. <laughs> through and through. But he's destined to, it's destined to end tragically. Yeah. And I think the closure that Faye and Jack get is really just that, that their their feelings for Spike kind of come to light. I think, you know, Jet's always kind of poking Spike, almost like big brother, little brother. I, I know I've said father figure, but I, I've kind of come to feel like they might be more like brothers. And then Faye, who's a very complicated character to begin with, um, Maybe she's starting to have some feelings. I, I I wouldn't say romantic, but certainly she cares about Spike or she wouldn't warn him. Nobody wants Spike to go away. They've lost Ian. They've lost Ed. They don't want the family to break up, even though the family's kind of shattered right now. They don't want it to end, but it's, it's predestined. Like it's going to end no matter what anybody does. And I found that kind of profound. It's, it's another one of those profound moments that this show has. And it must be, and Troy's the Eastern philosopher here amongst us. So it must be some type of, East, uh, you know, Eastern philosophy there or some kind of stuff going on that I can't wrap my head around, but I can wrap my head around enough to know that they knew this moment was coming. Obviously Spike knew it was coming. And that is the closure. The closure is this moment, whether they wanted it or not. Yeah. And I know we've talked episode after episode about, you know, talking about free will and predestination and, and just things in the universe happening. And yeah, like 
like you were saying, Sammy, all of this kind of culminates into this showdown that was destined to happen. Um, and Spike was going to nothing that Jet or Faye did was going to stop him from going down and facing vicious at the very end of this. Uh, right. So, yeah. Um, sorry, Zoe. go ahead. Oh, no, it's uh, I didn't have any anything more to add <laughs> other than. Well, I would just say that. Uh, yeah, it was mentioned that um, it was kind of a revenge story. I, I kind of see it as vicious revenge on Spike because like he's been needling Spike like pretty much the entire series from the beginning. So and we can see shades of that in this episode or in these two episodes. So we had learned that it was it was Julia that hot shot Spike like in the very first episode. And uh, that was part of that was part of Vicious Revenge on Spike for leaving the syndicate. So having his lover shoot him instead of running away with her and then taking on uh, Julia as his own girlfriend. So that was his revenge on Spike. And so it's just basically kind of constantly needling spike throughout his few uh engagements with spike throughout the series so and then ultimately uh like i think spike given the chance would have just run away with julia and then again left everything behind start a new life but then uh julia is killed in the shootout and so that's when spike just it's like the only thing left for spike is to say his goodbyes to uh, to his shipmates and go and get revenge on Vicious. And he doesn't care what happens after that. He just goes in where everybody's shooting at him. He has no plan. His only purpose is to walk straight in through the front door and kill Vicious. Yeah. It's almost like the definition of kind of heroic bloodshed in a lot of ways, right? Uh, yeah. I, he, make, I, he makes that decision. I, I think, and, and the reason why I asked that question is what I've been trying to wrap my head around, and, and you guys can tell me if I'm crazy, like what I've what I've always thought was really special about this show is at its core, it is Buddhist philosophy through and through. And this element in traditional storytelling about character arcs and closure and where you end, et cetera. This series, what I what I love about it so much is it provides what you think is closure. But I think it's always hinting or it's always talking about closure is that mask that perception wise you put on something and it's, it's sort of a facade. There's, there's no such thing as closure. There's always just letting go. Um, and like part of part of what it's trying to say is you will have these moments and meet these people and you will go on these adventures, but it's it's never permanent. And the more that you try to hold on to it, um, the more problems it will cause for you. I, I think this um, one of I think it's the last episode has probably one of the most powerful moments, definitely one of the greatest character moments, when Spike tells Faye, "Look at my eyes," and he's basically saying, "You know, this is a real one, this is a fake one, and so I am always looking at my past as I'm looking at the present or the future." And it's, it's just ridiculous. So to your point, Sammy, I, I feel like that setup, just that speech, Spike comes to realize, yeah, he has always been destined for this tragedy because he has been forced to look at the past at the same time he's looking at the present or the future. And Faye had that same problem with the memory, right? She's searching for her past. And as soon as, as, soon as she discovers it, she gets to a place where she thinks she can let go of it 
But just as soon as she let goes of her past, she has a problem letting go of Spike and letting go of the present, which for her is going to be her her new past. And now she's going to struggle with that. <laughs> so name me a series, and I don't care if it's live action, anime or whatever, that has a story arc that is that deep um, and really challenges the concept of character closure in that fashion. It's ridiculous to me. Like I, I think this goes into the pantheon of storytelling. Well, yeah, because most shows don't nail a landing. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Or well, and, and most shows don't give you a, a nail a landing, but then leave it open and say, hey, hey, this is how life works. <laughs> like these are these are your characters and and you know exactly how they're gonna react to this situation as soon as this ends. Uh, well, all of my all of the series I can think of are, are Star Trek, it, not the first <laughs> one, uh, like Star Trek: The Next Generation or uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, particularly those two. But even Star Trek: Voyager, even though they don't kill half the crew, but there is a sense of <laughs> yeah, there is a sense of like life moving on after a particular moment. So, like to your point, Troy, it's like it's not a sense. It's not in essence uh, closing uh, unless you're talking about closing a chapter of a person's life, but basically a sense of uh, moving on from one phase to another. So you're letting go of the, uh, one phase of your life and, and you're embracing the new phase uh, of the other, uh, of the other moment in your life. So, but I can't, those are the only th- series that I can think of like right now, I, I would have to dig deeper. Oh, actually. Um, all right. One more series, uh, Voltron, the legendary journey, <laughs> the new Voltron, the new Voltron on Netflix. I, I always go back to that. Cause that was such a fantastic series. Um, but that had, uh, a similar, um, it gives you a similar feeling at the end of that series. And I think you can do that when you plan the end of a series instead of a series, just ending. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, hasn't this show taught us like the universe is bigger than Spike? So the, the universe doesn't stop when Spike is killed, right? It's still going to go on. There's still going to be bounties. There's still going to be, you know, bloodshed. There's still going to be syndicates. There's still going to be all this stuff. Spike was just someone in the universe, um, which could be, I mean, it can make you feel real small if you think about it like that. But I mean, he is, it is what it is. Um, well, I mean, that shaman character kind of says that, right? Yeah, every living thing that walks and breathes each has its own star kind of you know portraying the galaxy is parallel to human lives it's it's a really good moment it, it actually makes more sense to me now because i think that character eventually says at some point that that star is about to fall mm-hmm. i can't remember what exactly he or she says but i do remember that and going into this whether i thought i knew the end or not and and i'm a bit of a pessimist so i always kind of think that these characters are always going to end uh with the blood spilled somewhere but i thought no spike they won't kill off spike but sure enough that's what they did and so i was still kind of surprised by it but now thinking about it and the whole way the story is told it makes sense It, it is that sense of destiny that one last journey that all these little tidbits all these little vignettes that we went through to get here, these little adventures, they all lead to this one point. And that's where I agree with Troy. It's very well done because every, I, I bet if I go back and watch it the second time, I would bet that there might be little cues throughout 
of what takes place in these last two episodes. Not just the flashbacks, the obvious stuff, but I would bet there's more cues there than maybe we really, well, certainly than me and Troy probably realized because since it's our first time watching it. Yeah. And Zoe as well, evidently, because he hadn't watched it either. So I'd imagine if all three of us go back and watch it, we'd probably be like, oh, look, there, there, there. it's all being told to us because I think this, this story is so well told over 20 something episodes that there's no way that the creator wasn't thinking that, that he wasn't thinking, well, and I can't remember, Brad, was it you that told me that they knew they were going to cancel the show? So they had, they had a good idea that it was because they, people were kind of speculating once they had that bounty hunter show that's within um, the actual show, go cancel it was kind of there saying hey we know we're getting canceled and we're we're basically wrapping this up because if you really think about it like they could do those vignette like those kind of episodes where you know things happen but they really don't you could do that forever really where they just yeah, go off on yeah, adventures yeah. Yeah. but you know then they come back it's kind of like you know x-files used to do the the, the shows where they connected but then they'd have like the monster of the week sort of episodes yeah. Yeah. Cowboy Bebop could have done that for a long time, but they basically said, no, we only have two seasons. We have 26 right. episodes and we're going to wrap it up. And I think that's kind of a blessing because it's just the right amount. Um, you feel like you've connected with these characters, but they did not say they're welcome. So, yeah. I mean, that's an old comic book storytelling trick. The one off. Yep. No. So you, you can always, and Star Trek does that as well. Zo brought up Star Trek, but uh, all, all the Star Trek series. Well, maybe the first one is mostly one offs, but, all the series after the first series is pretty much there's one solid storyline going on, but there's all these little one-offs in between. They kind of build character and stuff. And that's kind of how you do television. That's how you do it. Right. Anyway. I, I wonder if that was the case. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know about, well, not Brad. This has nothing to do with you, Brad. I'll stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. Stay out of this. But for, for Zoe, Sammy and I, I'm like, I'm so excited to go back and watch this again uh, and, and just kind of power through it because to your point, Sammy, what's out there that is going to hint at where this goes. And in retrospect, when I think about it, I'm wondering if they knew, Hey, we're going to do this many episodes. And so right from the get go, they knew what was going to happen because the other question I would have is would spike have made the choices that he made in these last two episodes if he had not met Ed, met Faye, gone through all those other episodes that um, while Spike might have been in the background, he ends up, uh, I hate saying this kind of cheesy, but learning something about himself as a result of going through it. I, I almost feel, I, I kind of see where you're coming from, Sammy, where this has always been about Spike. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I think, I don't know. I, th- I want to sit here and go, this has always been about Faye. But these last two episodes are so Spike centric. It's just weird. I, I I feel like Spike as a character. What I'm so excited to go back and watch it again is: Do you see that story arc with Spike? And are there episodes where you, where you would sit back and go, if this had not happened, if he had not been in this situation, he would have acted entirely differently, and they would still be off in the galaxy doing bounties versus Spike going. No, I'm I'm going to go take care of this. I think that Spike's decisions in the last two episodes were entirely informed by vicious actions or him meeting Julia again, because he's obsessed with Julia the entire series. Like anytime there's an episode where Julia's brought up, 
then that's where Spike goes. Spike will follow uh, Julia or lead to Julia in that particular episode. Even though I think there were maybe only there was maybe only one other episode where uh, he had he went chasing after Julia or whatever. So in these last episodes, so it's like whatever lessons that he may have learned in teaming up with uh, the crew of the Bebop is like all all of that less all of those lessons go out the window when uh, he has a possibility of meeting up with Julia again. And then, um, and like I said earlier, it's like he he's ready to this to just run away with Julia. But then you know he loses that when uh, Vicious you know takes actions against him. So I think that, and it wasn't just Vicious, it was also the syndicate, but I think Vicious was in a way manipulating the syndicate into, into doing what uh, he wanted done. Like one of the things that he he's always wanted to do was to kill Spike. So <laughs> he kind of got the syndicate, the syndicate to try to do it for him. See, I, I don't buy that at all. I, I actually, <laughs> and, and here's why. Um, A, his acceptance, it, I, I would kind of buy that if this played out like a traditional revenge story and even some of the dialogue. But, you know, Faye even asks him, why are, you, why are you going to die? And he's like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And I think there are some moments that he has with Jet and Faye. You don't think that's just him saying that so she doesn't, so he can go? I, well. You think that was genuine? Let me let me put it to you this way. That's a good question. If if that isn't genuine, then Spike is the most uninteresting character of the entire series. I think yeah. that if when Spike says I'm going to live, he he's basically saying I'm going to live my life. Like I'm not going to intentionally die. I'm not going to try to die. He doesn't go there to die, but I'm pretty sure he he even he knows that there's a strong possibility of that happening. But that it's like are you going to throw your life away? It's like, no, I'm going to live my purpose. My, my purpose is to like get justice for Julia. That That's my purpose. Like, cause without Julia's death, none of this happens. Not, he doesn't go run away to, he'll, he'll leave the bebop. That's for certain, but he's not going to uh, confront vicious. He's, he's just going to continue to hide from the syndicate. So as, as I said, his, he basically has, an unquenchable obsession with Julia. And I think in this episode, I mentioned that they had been separated for like three years. So without Julia's death, none of these, none of these things happen. I mean, cause there's like that un that calmness to him after she is killed that before we've seen anytime Julia is, is in the picture, it is so, like irrational and he is so ready to just jump that that calmness kind of makes you feel like, Oh, now he kind of knows what he has to do. Um, so I get your point, Troy, but I, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to believe that he would just say, I'm not. Yes. He probably wants to believe he's going to live, but in the back of your mind, you know, the possibility of dying is very strong, but he's always had that. I, I, Again, I I would go back to segments where think of how many times that they could have taken the bounty and they didn't or made a choice that was unexpected or the relationships they have. Um, Again, I would contend that absolutely you you see earlier in the series that irrationality 
and kind of throwing everything out the door. I would say if Julia was the total motivation and revenge was the total motivation, he would have never gone back and had dinner with Jet. Mm. You don't think their relationship has has garnered that over so many adventures? Uh, what's the story he tells? Oh, about the cat? Yeah, I, I think there's something okay. more there. Like I said, I, I understand where you're coming from, Zoe, in terms of thematically, this is a revenge story. Totally buy that. But I don't necessarily buy, if if that is the intent of, you know, if the writer came back and said, it's always been a Charlie Bronson, like animated thing, um, <laughs> that, you know, it's Death Wish in space. I don't know. Um, I, I would, yeah, I would go, okay, well, then that makes for an uninteresting character. And, and so, therefore, um, Ed Fay. Jet, Ein, all have way more deeper characteristics and more interesting stories than Spike. Well, hmm. I don't think the entire series is about Spike's like revenge or obsession with Julia. I'm just saying that whenever Julia bought, uh, is brought up, then then he goes off kilter. Like he has oh other sure interesting sure. Yeah. aspects about him. He, like he has this thing that he's doing. He he is perfectly well with going on with his life as long as he doesn't. Uh, as long as he's not confronted with his past and thinking about things that happened to him or whatever. And there's plenty of, most of the episodes don't really deal with that. But I think that in this episode or these last two episodes in particular, that now that he has a chance to uh, be with Julia again, it's like, it's like an opportunity. He can't, he can't give it. It's like when um, Faye had uh, started having a gambling obsession, she kept going back to, uh, bet on horses or whatnot. It was like uh, something that she couldn't give up for a little while, and then she realized, you know, she's not going to win, so she leaves it. So, I think with Spike, it's like, like especially after Julia gets killed, it's uh, it's almost like he's having to reassess reassess his entire existence. So you ask, why did he go back to the bebop? He's like, well, now now I have to go and think about what I'm going to do next. Well, and, and uh, I think it it's basically a shock to him. It's something he's having some PS. <laughs> uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome going on and uh and i think that's probably why he went back to the bebop to figure out what he was what he wanted to do with his life and then after he made that decision he he left the bebop to go and do what he felt he had to do hmm. it's interesting it is interesting I, I you know i feel like that moment when he says that he's going to live i think you know it's it's a hero moment it's it's kind of like uh so many moments we've seen in, in Westerns and things like that, that we love um, or that I love um, and that the character knows uh, their doom that sees it and everything else and knows that if they go, everybody else will move on. It's probably the most unselfish thing that that character can do. And again, it kind of goes all back to that destiny stuff. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I, you know, I can't have my animated shows making me think like this. <laughs> yeah, See, this is this is deep. I always, I always read that last thing with with Jet was like kind of their last supper. He knows at some point in time when he goes back down there, this is it. Yeah, this is, very, this is the last I time I see was, Jet. I thought it was very interesting when Spike came back because he was so mad at Spike for leaving, and uh, he was at the point where he's like, I don't care if he ever comes back. And then when Spike gets back, he is so glad to have Spike back, I yeah. guess, because he he thinks that the family is getting back together and then they're going to just, you know, repair the ship and just carry on and look for another bounty or something like that. He he thinks that he I, I think that 
Jet thinks he has Spike back for mm. the long term, I, and it doesn't seem to turn out that way. I something just triggered in my brain when you said something, Sammy, where he and I'm going to make sure I say it correctly. You said Spike comes back and has this moment and does something so unselfish, knowing that if he goes to do this, everybody else is okay, right? Again, I think that's another, I don't know, moment that shows the progression of Spike as a character because there was an episode where Spike is like, I'm going to go Julia and I don't really care what happens. And he's just out the door and he doesn't care about Jet. He doesn't care about Faye. He doesn't care about anything. It's just there's this possibility of Julia and then he's he's going to that planet and he's going to he's going to find her. Right. Yeah. It's a totally selfish moment. I mean, there have been so many times of him being selfish through the series. I, I do think that's an astute observation because when he comes back, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's making choices, an informed decision. I like that. Um, he's making all these choices based on where he is as a character. Uh, and, and the other thing I'm like super excited about is if you go back knowing that Spike that that whole speech about hey one eye I'm always looking at the past and the other eye I'm looking at the present I'm I'm really curious to go back and revisit that series with that knowledge now that him as a character that's what he's struggling with and um, again how how rewatchable does this this series get when you now have all the pieces and, and maybe Brad you can let us know because you've watched this so many times but now that you're at the end of it and you have all these pieces does the second viewing get better because it becomes more of a full story? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I think so for sure. And I, it's hard for me because like I've enjoyed kind of going on this journey with you guys. So it's been hard. And I watched this originally was on TV. Then again, a few years later and then a few, so it's always been like just enough time to where I kind of forget some of the, you know, the smaller moments, obviously like bow to fallen angels, like it stays with you forever. Uh, this one stays with you forever. A lot of those big moments do, but there are lots of, I don't know if it's like moments, but it's just more like the themes of this show that run through it. That the end of it, you're like, Oh yeah. Like this, it was always, it was always this, it was always this. Um, there's always a lighthouse. If you get that reference. <laughs> okay. So as, as far as a series finale, this is definitely one of the best series finale that I've seen on on most series. So the uh, and I was kind of cool on most of the episodes of the theories of of, of the series, but um, this is the way this series ended was it, it's funny, right? Because the two episodes are preceding this when uh, especially when Ian leaves and Ed leaves, I was like, oh, or. The episode where I guess it's the same episode where Ed meets his father. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, well, this this took a t- this took a turn, right?" <laughs> and and then when they leave, it was like, "Oh, this it looks like they're playing it. This looks like uh, the series is coming to an end." And then when the show, the Bounty Hunter show, got canceled, like, "Oh, this this series is over." <laughs> I was that was one of the most shocking points where that happened. It's like they find out on air that their show got canceled. <laughs> And then when when uh, in the, in these two episodes, 
when one of the cowboys show up to pick up his mom because I didn't know who he was at first. And then he mentioned his girlfriend got a job and it's like, oh my God, that's that's the dude. That's the dude from the TV show. <laughs> yeah, that, that took me, I, I didn't, I thought I got that the first time, but the second time I went back and watched the episode, it was much more clear. Um, and then it it just opened up that whole closure um, conversation in my head. Like what, again, I mean, we've, we've talked about it, but I, I find that pretty interesting about this series is it, it brings something like that. And in the background attending at it and you see Faye watching it, but then how that plays out, you're, you're basically saying, okay, there's going to be closure for all these characters. And there, there isn't necessarily, or, or the closure that you think is happening isn't really closure per se. I think that guy's yeah. name is punch. I, I from yeah. big shots. Yeah. Punch. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, Vicious has has a closure of shows. Did, was there an episode where he talked about taking over the syndicate? Because I don't remember that. Uh, that's kind of always been his sort of motivation is to be because, you know, he was thinking they're old and weak and, you know, he wanted to be the lead. I mean, that's just he's the alpha, essentially. Right. I, I had to ask because I'm I'm also watching the live action. And so I'm getting the story threads confused, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was, uh, that was vicious. Uh, that was his closure, so to speak, to, to basically finally fulfill his ambition of taking over the red dragon. And, uh, that the scene where he, uh, where the leaders think that he is beaten and that they got him and they about to execute him and how he, how his, how his plans unfold to flip the tables and a whole action sequence was, that was one of the best uh, sequences in the series. They really yeah, turned the vi- the violence up in this one a lot. Right, right. Especially when uh, Vicious said, "Now you'll, now you'll cry red tears." I was like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't expect that." No. <laughs> yeah, these, these two episodes go full on like Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that Faye shoots one time and she hits. Right. In that car chase, I mean, she fires like two, maybe three shots, and takes everybody out. I'm like, that that's Faye. There you go. Yeah, let's not let's not sleep on her. You know, sharpshootingness. Like she's a good shot. Right. Yeah. They they. Uh, I guess they finally highlighted that in this series because it doesn't seem like they show much of her shooting skills uh, in other episodes. Hmm. And it kind of goes to show like in this episode, like in this, like we've always had these moments where the universe seems so big, but there's these things where just, they just happen upon things like her Betamax just happens to, you know, kind of find her. She happens to just find Julia, you know, like in the, in the huge grand scheme of the universe, they just happen upon each other. Right. That's destiny. Yep. I mean, that's the whole storytelling element of this whole show to me is. The, I mean, I know it's Spike's story, and I said his destiny, but to me, all these characters are destined. And I think that's what makes us as viewers interested in these characters who do bad things or questionable things, maybe, is that, you know, they're, they're challenged with these decisions, and it's part of their life, part of their destiny, part of their choices. I mean, otherwise, you don't really have any drama, so you have no reason to watch. I mean, if you're just going to sit around and watch Luke Skywalker do the laundry... Nobody's going to watch. <laughs> well, hold on. I would. Yeah. Well, is he I, drinking the blue milk or not? Yeah. You'd think, that many years, you'd think that many years in the future and all that technology, they'd still have laundry and dryers. You know, you still think that. Well, well I don't know. Um, I, I just watched uh, Roadhouse. We just had a Roadhouse. Yes. Episode. Great episode, man. And there's a, there's a, uh, 
there's a scene where Dalton, uh, paid by Patrick Swayze, he's doing the laundry, and I thought that scene was quite thrilling. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Uh, I agree with you 100%. (laughs) When Dalton does the laundry. Yes. Yeah. Something very tense. I'm curious, Sammy. So far, you've talked about it from like, I don't know, a critical or narrative, but what's your opinion of of these last two episodes? Like, how how do you feel about them? Are you asking me or Zoe? I'm asking you, Sammy. Oh, me? Yeah. Okay. Emotionally, they pay off. Uh, and I was really happy about that. Uh, I always worry about the ending. I am a firm believer that the ending is always the toughest part of a story. It's always the toughest thing to nail. Um, I thought everything circled back around nicely. Uh, I love seeing vicious again because I think that character is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, he's intimidating without doing much. It's a strong silent type. It's something I really like in cinema. So I uh, was really attracted to him when I saw him earlier in the series. And so here he is. He's back around. Uh, I love this, the the uh, storyline that Spike was part of this syndicate at some point, which is something I knew nothing. I didn't see that coming at all. Oh, you didn't? I really didn't. Oh, for me, okay. For me, that was a twist. I, I, oh, I really okay. Didn't. They spell it out pretty early so in the it series. Was twist. Well, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. So, hey. So, hey. Uh, you know, I'm I'm 48 going on 49. No, I mean, but, <laughs> but that's cool. Like, then you like you yeah. have this moment where you're like, oh, wow. OK, yeah. like, it was like yeah. a jolt. It was like a yeah. jolt. You know, I was like, yeah. Oh, OK. OK. Remember, Brad, this is our first viewing. You, you said no, I that. Get like, it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You didn't see that coming. <laughs> I'm going to need you to name the timestamp and the exact episode that that piece of dialogue. It might be in the first episode. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, the, in a in the first episode, they allude that that he had a past. They don't explicitly say that he was in the syndicate, yeah, but that that he had a past, and they weren't going to talk about it until later. Yeah, so I mean, that's fine. I, I if he has a past, I mean, I can get behind that. But I had no idea that he was this closely tied to the syndicate. Yeah, so uh, at least I didn't suck see it, it, Brad. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm not I mean, judging. I'm not judging. again. All of that's good for emotional payoff because now the show it really kind of ups the ante you were talking about the violence first of all the violence goes up i'd say almost like a full point if you were taking it on a point scale like if it was a, a seven before it's like going all the way up to an eight there's Easy. some very tarantino-esque uh blood fountains in this episode yeah people are spraying uh, well, tarantino got that from a uh, original japanese cinema to yeah. Be honest. yes, oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, we used to always say on the GGTMC, they're high-pressured, uh, high-pressurized Asians. Yes. <laughs> the, true. The, the, way they, the way the finale almost turns into a superhero film, that was a bit astonishing for me. Uh, we think about our are these superhero films we see. Not the last one I saw, or Zoe saw, because we're the only two that have seen the, last, the most recent superhero film, I believe. Um. But most of these superhero films always build to this ridiculous climax. This one's ridiculous, but it works. Like, I'm, I was all in. Like, cards on the table. All in, man. It's cool. And, yeah, I mean, they're running up a building, you know. And all When, the he, when cool. he drops that grenade, he just kicks it to the guys. I'm oh, like, oh, that is awesome. That is just badassery. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's those moments. And I think this might be why Troy asked, because... My, some of my favorite moments in cinema are are the badass moments. Uh, the the end of the Wild Bunch when they make the decision. That's the the quintessential badass moment of oh all time. Oh my god, yes. 
So everything is comparable to me to that. Don't stand up, Troy. Don't stand up. <laughs> talk about the wild bunch. Just keep sitting. But what's going on? <laughs> but, but when characters make decisions like that, and they're so righteous, they're so, whether it's the right or the wrong decision, they're devout to that decision. That's that's the kind of stuff I love because, I mean, now you're talking a belief system. You're talking everything. And, yeah, on an emotional level, this stuff hit me. And, I mean, the only thing I can really tell you, Troy, you should ask the question, is the worst part about it is it's over. Yeah. It's, uh, you were talking about the sadness of the previous two episodes. These were both the most uh, enthralling, exciting, and yet devastatingly sad episodes of the series for me. Because now I don't want it to end. Now I want these guys to get in the ship and go out there, find a new big bad, and go at it. That's what I, yeah. that's what I want to happen. But unfortunately, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, talking about the sadness of the episode, I was touched by. Now, to be uh, to be clear, um, I was not as enamored with with the, the entire series. I was just going to point that out because when you wrote that uh, when that email in that we read, you were like, "Hey, I want to talk about this, but I'm not." as in love with this series as you guys, right? No, no, not, not as in love, but they, they did have some moments that I like, but I still, still at the end, I was still touched by some of the things that happened. I was even touched by the, by the death of the, I guess she was like an informant for spike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The woman that, that was in the, uh, the drugstore. I was like, Oh, oh no, not yeah. her. <laughs> right. Annie. Yeah. Yeah. Annie. Yeah. Annie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they they did have some uh, very powerful moments. They did uh, exceptional exceptionally well with what they had. So yeah, did- and uh, well, that death of Julia moment is like the way they slow it down in the birds and like John Woo just jerking off in the corner. Like it is so oh, I missed, like I missed that. I have to go back yeah, and see yeah, that. <laughs> if you watch it three or four times, Troy, you'll see him. He's, he's there. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I got what are you doing? Somebody else is getting excited over there. I'm, yeah, I'm Sorry. I'm going to need you to, to, to timestamp them with this yeah. moment of the episode. Hey, uh, Brad, can you yeah. keep your hands above? Are we want, Okay, good. Sorry. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, that death scene is, is one of the ones that will emotionally like it's it got me today like i was watching it today and i was like man the way she like takes that bullet and falls to the ground and you know whispers her last words wow we we went here we were going here and then you know you know after that like okay the showdown with spike and vicious is happening and it's happening pretty quickly um and you just wonder, is Spike going back to the Bebop to say goodbye, or is he just going straight there? And you yeah. hope that he goes to the Bebop to say goodbye, um, and he yeah. does. I think that's a great moment, too, because now we get Spike and we get Rage, which is Spike's always played it mostly for the most part during the whole series. He's played it kind of calm and cool. Um, but this is where those those uh, kind of comparisons to Bruce Lee come from. You know, in a Bruce Lee film where he's he's always kind of calm and cool. Well, they also no. have a poster of Bruce Lee in this yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, but Bruce is always fighting. He's always kind of calm and cool, doing his Muhammad Ali stuff, doing everything. And then somebody cuts him. And now he licks the blood. He licks the blood. <laughs> yeah. And now he's now rage is kicking in. So yeah. now we get the wall. We get all that kind of stuff. To me, that's what we get here with Spike is we get the true emotion. Like 
everything comes out and it has to happen. It has to be this eruption. And I mean, it's like total destruction. I mean, it's like, it's not like a cure level, but I mean, it made me feel that way in some ways. It's just like, everything is going to go down. I'm going to get my vengeance no matter what. And if I have to destroy this whole city, that's what I'll do. So yeah, he seems, he seems to have a, a calm rage about him. Like he was, I feel like he was angrier at his impersonator than he was in this episode. <laughs> I, I'm curious though. So obviously like these last two episodes, does, does it as a cohesive story, maybe Brad, this is the segue to the overall series, yeah. but as a, as a cohesive story now, do you elevate it and kind of go, Hey, in the middle of this thing, I was, I, I thought it was pretty good. Wasn't as bonkers about it as maybe, you know, Sammy, Troy and Brad, but now that it's all over, what, what's the thought? I mean, do, does it go up a few points or do you still say great finale, but I'm still kind of in the middle on everything else? Yeah. I think that it could have used a lot more episodes uh, where it developed uh they developed that story that started and ended the series. They they could have had a few more episodes because there were some episodes that that seemed like that seemed wasteful. Like even you, uh, when you reviewed some of these episodes, like well that that seemed like a waste of time, right? <laughs> so I think that, but a good waste of time, right? Right. Time. Yeah. But still, it, they could have had better stories. They they could have had because uh, in this the final episodes they didn't actually re- reveal Spike's real name and. Uh, that would have been is- interesting. They they could have had more episodes revealing of Vicious's plot. Th- that would have been a little more interesting. Um, and honestly, I think that uh, Jet and um, maybe uh, what's her name? Faye? Ed. Oh, yeah, Ed. Yeah, Ed yeah. But, yeah, Ed especially. They they could have used a lot more character development. And um, but you don't find like the mystery like kind of having not the characters so fully fleshed out that you know everything about them, having somewhat mystery kind of is intriguing. I mean, yeah, as long as you reveal it at some point, it's like having a mystery just for sake of having a mystery. It's, it's a little bit of annoying. Like a, a lot of people had this problem with uh, the, the latest star star Wars trilogy. So JJ Abrams, he has a habit of building a mystery box and he loves his mystery boxes. And but then at the like at the end of the very last uh Star Wars film, they had uh he had built this mystery box around uh what's his name? Eleven thirty two, the former stormtrooper, whatever Finn? I forget it. Finn, right. So it was kind of, of of a mystery box around Finn. Like he had this great mystery about him, but they never reveal what that was. Like, is it because he has the force? Is he in love with uh the girl? Does he is he in love with Ray? Is he in love with Poe? What's the deal? What what was the thing that he was trying to tell uh, everybody at, at the end of the movie? And, and we never get to see that. Or there, there's kind of a mystery with Lando and that stormtrooper girl that he had discovered and like suggestions that that, that girl might be his daughter or something like that. It's just a mystery for the sake of just being a mystery is is a little bit of annoying. I, I expect some kind of uh, answer to, to those puzzles. So, uh, like we, we could have learned a little more about Spike. They, they could have given his, uh, true name, at least by, by the last episode where somebody where vicious screams out like Spike's real name or as he was known when he was a member of the syndicate or something like that. But that, that had never happened. Okay. Well, 
I, I want to hear Troy and, and Sammy. I want to hear what, what are your guys' overall thoughts of the series? Go for it, Sammy. Okay. Um, I will say this. Uh, I'll give you the big narrative here. Troy asked me a long time ago. Uh, well, last year, not a long time ago. <laughs> I went up to visit Troy, and he asked me to be a part of this. And I immediately said yes, because I love you guys. But I will not lie when I tell you that I was intimidated because reviewing or talking about serialized television, not my forte, not (laughs) something that I really like to do. What I like about film is it tends to give you emotions and feelings and it kind of just flows over you. And of course you have a limited amount of time with it, right? You know, yeah, there's a beginning, middle and an end and that's it. So you, you get this experience. What, I also love about television, but I don't love talking about is it's this continuing series. I love that. I love revisiting characters every week. And I do watch TV like this on purpose. I don't binge anything because, and I watch one thing at a time. So this is the only thing I've been watching. Um, well, this and Yellowstone were the only two things I was watching <laughs> at the time. Um, because I won't watch, if I watch too much TV, again, I say I'm, I'm getting old. I, if I watch too much TV, I'm going to start saying, man, Kevin Costner was really good in Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Boba yeah. Fett is a bounty hunter, so he could yeah. have been in this yeah. universe. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I was really intimidated by it. I was even telling uh, Todd at the time and and Will, and and I even said something to Randy, and I may have said something to even to Jose at some point or anybody, and without even talking to you guys about it, that I'm really intimidated by by this. This could expose me as this uh, internet, uh, you know, uh, hoax. I'm not not that I have this great standing out there, but you know, I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job talking about movies for a decade. Um, but this thing kind of brought a lot of emotion to the table for me that I didn't expect, especially for an animated show. Um, I can still remember going on the Speed Racer show and saying that anime is not my thing, really. It just doesn't work for me most of the time. Um, almost feeling like I might have threw a challenge down there. <laughs> uh, and uh, Brad accepted the challenge and, uh, you know, brought it uh, shirtless and oiled up to the uh, up to the podium there and said, we're going to do this. And uh, I'm really glad I went on this journey. I don't know that I ever would have watched the show if you guys would have asked me. I just don't know if it ever really struck my fancy. It always looked good and everything, but again, anime has always let me down so many times that I was just like, yeah, I, 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 you know, I'd probably never watch that. So this is this is really great. What I love is I love to be taken out of my comfort zone. Um, as I get older, I don't want to become this guy who only has this narrow experience. Uh, I want to experience as many things as I can because my time is limited, right? Um, and this has been a great experience. It's been, the show was great. Uh, all the emotions were there. I came away with a great new favorite character from a TV show in Jet Black, uh, who I love. And, as soon and as you're one hundred percent Jet Black. Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. Yep. As soon as I can find like a really good figure or statue of Jet Black, it's going to go on my desk like at work or something. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, facial hair included. I mean, that's an awesome beard. I mean, I. I if I did something like that, I'd probably, well, first I'd probably get fired from my job, but second, uh, <laughs> my wife would probably kick me out of the house too. So what about a metal arm? Can we, we can do that. 
Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what I can do with metal armor. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, it don't seem Jet can do anything with that metal armor. It's literally just a replacement. Metal it doesn't, yeah. It's not special. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I, and I'm a little disappointed in that. Come, come on, Jet, punch a hole in the wall. Right? <laughs> like, there, there was an episode earlier when they had to get to that. Uh, oh, no, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the live action. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> See, you pulled a Sammy right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly right. So anyway, to kind of shorten it all up, I am very happy that you guys invited me on this journey and that we shared this together. I know Brad had seen the series before, but this is a I can understand where Brad's coming from because this is kind of like when you show somebody a, a film you really like or a TV show you really like, you know, you get to re-experience that through them. Uh, which is always a wonderful experience as well. So this has been this has been a great uh, process, and I really like the show. I mean, I will own the show. I will revisit the show. I don't revisit a lot of television shows, for the record. I, I television to me is a very um, expendable entertainment. Not in the way that I think it's cheap. I love television, but I just think that it's not something. I'm always interested in going back and watching again, unless it's the Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby. So uh, it's just something that I don't go back to that often, right? Uh, it ages badly sometimes and things like that. But this show, it it really kind of hit me, it hit me in some spots, and I was uh, really flattered. and And this has been a great experience, and that's the best thing I could say about it. I mean, this has been the show is great. You guys are great, and I thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you having you, Troy. Let's hear it, Dad. Uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I'm what Sammy said. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I, I agree with him. I had no interest in seeing this. I mean, anime. I mean, shit. Sammy <laughs> told me to go watch this one anime that I found, and it and it totally scarred me <laughs> for life. <laughs> There's a lot of tentacles going in a lot of places. Uh, oh God. Um, so many tentacles. God damn. And, and my exposure to anime TV really came down to, uh, and I don't even know if it was a TV show. I just remember the series, but record of Lotus war, which I love because mm-hmm. it gives me my D and D fix and uh, city hunter, which I mean, I discovered because Jackie Chan did the live action version. And then when I found the anime films and TV show, I fell in love with that, but had zero interest in doing this and would have never watched it on my own until you're like, Hey, we're, we're going to do this. And, and I, I, I don't know if it's a generational thing. Sammy, you, you may be able to speak to this. Growing up on television when I watched TV, and we're talking like the original Battlestar Galactica or um, Incredible Hulk or you know anything that you go back, ALF, right? It, there's, it's fun to watch, but there is zero to talk about outside of, hey, when ALF was chasing that cat. That was pretty funny. Right. I mean, yeah, when he tried to eat that cat, it was, yeah, there funny. you go. Right. There, there's nothing to it. And it, and, and it was very episodic and it was always a uh, lesson of the week w- when I found, and I know this, uh, you can make fun of me all you want. When I found Buffy, the vampire slayer, I was like, Oh, I, I feel like that's a really good series because it combines all these horror elements in, in a unique situation. And I found the character super fascinating and I was shocked when season two came around and I'm bawling my eyes out in the finale because of how good it was. Like it really made me connect. And I always measure every TV show. Um, like the, the litmus test is how good is it against season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It, it's my favorite thing. Um, this one shocked me. It, it really did because midway through when we're talking about 
you know, Zen philosophy, Buddhism, um, life, death, uh, all, all these heavy topics that were coming out of, you know, these 24 minute episodes, I was freaking floored. And on top of that, animation styles and storytelling styles that I love because influ- they're influences influences from all these films. Um, I still think it's heavily out of all of the things it pulls from it's most heavily influenced by film noir, which uh, just it gives me goosebumps in the music. Oh my God. The, the soundtrack alone. I mean the, the greatest thing you can make fun of jazz all you want, but when jazz is really good, it's bringing some fresh unknown combination of sounds to your ears that you're not going to find in, in anything else when done correctly. And there, there are very few artists that do that. Right. That's why miles Davis is miles Davis. Right. So, um, I, I don't know. I just fell in love with this and I, I would put the entire series up against, you know, season two of Buffy. And I would say, regardless of animate or live action, this is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, and I think it transcends like the anime genre. It transcends film noir. It transcends the, the heroic bloodshed genre. Um, and it, it, I cannot wait to go back and watch it again. Uh, and I love championing some kind of material like this with other people to kind of go, you're, you're going to love it. I don't care what your experience is with anime, what your experience is with science fiction, whatever it is, you're going to love this, but you've got to, you've got to get in there and watch it. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with Sammy. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier that you chose this Brad. Cause I, I, I fell in love with it. Cool. Zo, did you, did you come back around? Have you come back around on whether or not? <laughs> come on, Zo, convert, those. man, convert. I, I one of us, to, one <laughs> of us. I also went to, uh, thank you for, for allowing me to be on this final episode. Uh, I was surprised that, that you allowed me to come on, especially since I'm <laughs> such a Debbie Downer on the series. But, <laughs> oh, whatever. We love you, man. We were, we were looking for a reason to, to talk to you, man. We love your show. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, it's, I don't want to say that, uh, uh, I, I, I like the series. I really did, but I just didn't like it as much as you did because you guys started waxing philosophical and I'm sitting there like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get that feeling. It's like, cause when I'm watching a television show or a movie or something like that, I'm looking for a feeling like the reason that I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek since I was, I think 12 years old. And, and I fell in love with it after only watching, like, I think 15 minutes of it. It, it, it was the scene before the credit. Right. So in the original series, they did this thing where they kind of start the mystery and it got you invested in that mystery. And you have to watch the rest of the episode to figure out what that mystery was. And what happened was my family we was getting ready to go to the pool. Right. So for us growing up, the pool was the most one of the most exciting things you can do was go to the pool or go to the beach or something like that. So we're getting ready. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm about to do this. And, I, and Star Trek had just so happened to come on and I started watching it. Uh, the first 15 minutes and then we had to go but it, it was an episode where i think it was the miri episode where they go into this planet and it's all devastated and they run into these kids and it turns out the kids are hundreds of years old or something like that and i was like i need to know about what happened with these kids what's going on right so it's feelings like that that i'm looking for when i'm watching a tv show and i didn't exactly get those feelings when i watched cowboy bebop and um so that's why and, and i liked a lot of the stories i liked the characters uh, but I didn't 
like it as much as you because you guys was like you guys dug deep you guys went to places <laughs> with the show when you talked about it i couldn't go i was like oh i didn't i didn't see it, it was and that's why i like listening to i listen to every episode of the cowboy bebop episodes and, and I, I like what you were able to find in those episodes that i couldn't find that's why i listened to it it's like what did they see that i didn't <laughs> see what what did they get it i didn't get because a lot of stuff I, w- I was just missing and so I, i'm glad to have the experience of of uh of listening to to the podcast to figure out uh, what I was missing in the show, but uh, not not quite a convert. I, I'm I'm ha- I'm half in half out. Uh, you've seen in the trailers uh, in in the movie that I saw. There there's a, a a bunch of guys wearing clown makeup on their whole face, and then there's one kid. He only has clown makeup on half half of their face, and and I'm that kid. I'm the kid with half the clown makeup. <laughs> okay, the f- don't don't say clown makeup around Troy. <laughs> yeah, let's not do clown references. I don't know if you if you read the bylaws we don't we don't yeah. fuck with clowns man it's in the final that we agree to come on the show um well oh, so, so i i didn't no. know anybody was afraid of clowns no, you're not afraid of clowns clowns are fucking terrifying okay <laughs> i have a friend who is also has that phobia and uh he one time he punched ronald mcdonald in the face so he deserved it, he deserved it. Yeah, Ronald McDonald was terrifying. Yes, <laughs> I, I, oh, I will say on on my end, this is the first time I've watched the series as a father, um, and it definitely hits you a lot different when you're you're a father, and you have this father figure like Jet, and you kind of have this rebel and Spike, and you have this daughter who is tormented in Faye, and this other daughter who is a little bit quirky and weird. And then you have this dog and you're like, man, like all these characters are just so well done. And I feel like I can relate to them as a father and, and all this stuff. And, and, and it, it takes a lot of the philosophical stuff up to a whole other level. Um, yeah. And I, I was, a I was proud of some of the conversations we had with some of these episodes. Cause you know, we're going into it. And I'm like, all right, this is a, anime yes good storytelling is good storytelling it can come from movies video games comics books it can come from anywhere it can come from a back of a cracker jack box if it's good enough it's good enough right so um to to be able to talk about this week after week month after month uh, (laughs) but you know uh to finally get here and to really appreciate it and really get to experience with it with you guys um in some of the cool listeners like Zoe, it's really been a great experience. And I, I, I'm, I'm happy that we did it um, because it, it's one of those things where the first time I saw it, I wanted to just tell everybody. Um, and I'm glad that I kind of knew you guys well enough to be like, I think you'll really like this. And it's, it's got more to it than just, Hey, we're anime bounty hunters on this spaceship. So Yeah. I'll say that I, like I am super impressed um, with animated shows. Maybe it's the last 10 or 15 years. So you, you talked about avatar. Um, it, that was something my daughter pushed on me and she was begging me to sit down and, and watch the entire series. And I think next I got to watch legend of Korra. That's the other one she wants me to watch. And I'm like, she got an arrow on her head too, or no, Uh, no, not yet. Um, She would though, (laughs) if given the choice. Um, (laughs) But what I find interesting 
is uh, it, it, it was a show. I'm like, it's a Nickelodeon cartoon. It, no, it, it's not Ren and Stimpy. Um, I'm good, right, from that era. And she's begging me. She's like, trust me, you're, you're going to love this. So, yeah, I sat down and watched it. And I was surprised how much I got out of Avatar and all these different layers that weren't just aimed at, like, teens or preteens in terms of messaging. But it had it dealt with fatherhood. It dealt with loss, suffering. Um, and, you know, my daughter, who just to be personal, I mean, she's, she's had her battles and that is a show she escapes to because she goes, Oh, I can cope with things based on some of the philosophies and it is philosophy. Some of the philosophies that avatar is teaching. And for me, cowboy bebop is almost the thing where it's like, if my daughter has avatar and that's the thing that for her in legend of Korra is um, I'll, I'll just call it her, her Zen Bible. So, you know, it just trying to take like an Asian philosophy with a Christian, Western Christian dogma and you, and you say it's put together and, and this is what's going to inspire you to think a particular way. If, if Avatar is in Legend of Korra is that for her, Cowboy Bebop is that for me. Like, I feel I can go back to Cowboy Bebop and there is a lot of stuff you can get if you can, if you can look hard enough. Um, and I don't think it's unintentional and I don't think it's a, a, um, you know how some things where a viewer will go, Oh, you're, you're reading too much into that. They never really meant that. I think all of this stuff is there and it's intentional, especially coming from a Japanese culture. Uh, I think that Buddhism, the Zen philosophy, uh, some of the, the themes that it tackles, it's so intentional, but you got to pay attention. And if you pick up on it, it's one of the most rewarding things you can get out of it from just like a, a storytelling. Yeah. Speaking of uh, storytelling, I've noticed that children's storytelling is much more fulfilling and complex than they were when we were growing oh, up. Oh, heck yeah. I think it, yeah. I think it started with Batman the animated series. It, it may have been yes. earlier than that. But when I was growing up, we had like Scooby-Doo and, and uh, Ghostbusters and Space Ghosts. And those oh. are fine stories for a kid. But now the the current storytelling is just outstanding. Uh, wait, if she's into Steven Universe, she's probably going to push that on you too, right? Because <laughs> that's a. And then there was a show that I had watched uh, just in passing. Like if it happened to be on, I would watch it. It's called We Bear Bears. I was like, oh my god, this is a fairly interesting show. It's it's crazy how mature it is, but it it's actually for kids, right? It's 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 mature in a way without having to delve into nudity and foul language <laughs> yeah. like it, it it's uh and i i think it goes to, sh to show how uh much more sophisticated our children really are that are them way more so sophisticated than we give them credit for because first we just we're feeding them scooby-doo mysteries when they can handle so much more and and that is uh th that's what I, I find interesting about the current storytelling yeah. and and <laughs> speaking of which um I'm excited for you guys to find uh, start watching the live action of Cowboy Bebop because uh, I, I think I like the live action better than I like the anime, and it's probably sacrilegious to say that. Wow! But, <laughs> I mean, because they have some of the same stories, but they're different. They're the same, but they're different. They they take a yeah. lot of the yeah. uh, stories that, especially the some of your favorite stories from this uh, the anime, and they kind of twist it around 
and different characters are in, are in new situations. But um, I think the thing, the, the main difference between the show, the anime and the live action is that that through line with Spike being in the syndicate, it's it's much stronger in the show than it is in, in the anime. So it's, I think it, it tilts slightly more towards it being Spike's story than it is as a, as a shared story with all the characters. Okay. I just want to say for the record, I agree that kids storytelling is much more advanced than it was because I've tried to show my son some of the stuff I watched <laughs> and he saw one episode of Thundercats and I think he thought, <laughs> I think he thought I was high. <laughs> and I can't explain Thundercats either. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny you say that. So Angel and I had a deal cuz it got to the point I'm like fine for every episode we watch of Avatar we're watching GI Joe. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're going through the GI Joe series and Angel and I at the end of the day are like yeah, I, I think I think I think we're siding with Cobra here. They just blew up the Antarctic and caused like all of this. GI Joe like tore the shit out of everything. Yeah, and they did way more damage than Cobra ever yeah, did. Team Team America was spot on, dude. Yeah. yeah. I, so we're watching yeah. this, and at the end of the day, we're like, uh, you know, if if Destro and Cobra Commander would just stop arguing, they could get some shit done. But yeah. they would they would bicker and and it wasn't that GI Joe actually did anything. Um, it always came down to the bickering between Destro and Cobra Commander. Like they they would self sabotage. So um, I don't. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, th- those are the shows I was growing up with, and then I watch Avatar, and I'm like, damn, that's why my that's why my daughter is smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, and then and then they've done updates of some of those classic shows. Like they a few years ago, they had done an update of Thundercats for whatever reason nobody watched, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, it was um, it the animation style kind of looked like uh, Avatar. And then they've recently done an update of He Man and the Master of the Universe, which split the fandom straight down the middle. But I I love that show too, and I think it was because they only aired the first five episodes, which didn't have He Man in it at all or just barely and then this the second five episodes which was all he man so i think the when you watch the the, the series together the all 10 episodes then you're like okay this is an awesome show but when that, when the first five episodes dropped people were mad some people <laughs> right <laughs> but i i thought it was uh i i guess it's important to note that the the name of the series is masters of the, of the universe it's just all of them not particularly set on he-man but it's way more sophisticated than any single he-man episode that that they did or any two-part episode of the original series yeah that's i mean that's kind of why this is not called the spike spiegel show it's called the cowboy bebop it's about all of them yeah Yeah. right oh that was another thing about the live action it it kind of delves into like why the show was called cowboy bebop and (laughs) and stuff like that uh, i actually you pro- you can probably get it from the anime too but uh i think in the live action is more explicit and because they build up uh they build up jet's character so significantly then then you get to understand it, it's uh, even though it's the show is tilted towards uh uh more towards spike the, the all of the characters are way more developed than they are in the anime I don't know how that's possible. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm being honest here. I don't know how that's possible unless you're doing like the sense of sensibility version of Cowboy Bebop. But <laughs> no, so, you, oh, you, oh, you really get to learn more about the characters in the in a live action. OK, interesting. Interesting. So next up, we have in a little bit, we have Cowboy Bebop, the movie, which I don't understand that. Spike's dead. Well, so <laughs> it doesn't take place at the end of the timeline. I'll just say that. Oh, yes. Now it makes sense. So you'll be happy to know that some characters, because it comes back at a different point in time, that some characters come back. So, yes, um, the the Blu-ray is very hard to find. Um, and it's not an easy thing to get a hold of because I think it's out of print. Um Sammy said he he knows some people who he knows how to get it. Um, so good luck if you're going to watch it. Um, we're going to do that one in a little. We'll take a little time off of here and then give people time to to find it and, and watch it. And then we will come back and wrap up the animated series for good. I, I know this is going to sound weird. I, I discovered you I saw owned, it first. I saw that first. Remember nothing about it. And I <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I saw it on DVD and then I was going through my, my to watch pile and I'm like, oh, I have the Blu-ray. It's not even open. So yeah. Um, can't wait to it's revisit worth, something I've seen quite a bit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is it the region B one or is it like the U S release? It's the U S release. Oh, okay. Good for you. <laughs> so you're saying I, if you ever, I can if retire? You ever have a, if you have a problem paying your mortgage, you might, I might be the first one to put on the pile. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. So, have you ever seen the movie or anything like that? No, I I didn't even know there was a, a movie yeah. until you mentioned yeah. it. So, yeah. So, so before we leave, why don't you give everyone the elevator pitch on your podcast, the look, the Backlook Cinema podcast? So, the, we at the Backlook Cinema podcast, the basic concept is that uh, I watch movies with my son that that I loved when I was growing up before he was born. Then I come on the show. And then I talk about what he thought about the movie, what I what I thought about it. We go through the the trivia of the movie, what the critics thought of the movie, talk about our favorite parts of the movie, what it meant to us. So that's Backlick Cinema. Nice. If, if you haven't listened, my my suggestion is start with the Enter the Dragon episode because that was awesome. That was a great introductory episode. I agree, one hundred percent. Yep. Uh, Sammy, what is going on at the GGTMC? Uh, all kinds of fun things. We just talked about uh, Atlantics, which is a film that won the Grand Prix Award at Cannes back in 2019. You got fancy on uh, us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we try to go all over the map, right? I mean, that's the great thing about uh, the show that I do is that we can do brand new stuff or we can do stuff from back when cinema started. So. <laughs> There's never enough time, never enough time to see all these movies. But uh, yeah, we just did Atlantix. We got uh, uh, we got Judgment Night coming up. So there's that. Just kind of the birth of new metal. We talked about that today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we just talked about that last night. So that's fun. And uh, that was that movie was interesting on a rewatch. There's some interesting things about that movie on a rewatch that, that uh, I never would have thought of on uh, the original watch. So again, that's the great thing about going back and looking at films is that uh, your life changes the perspective of films as well. So it's great. Awesome. Absolutely. And Troy, we just did true romance. Your with, pick. Yeah. Yes. We got to talk about Quentin Tarantino and we are doing what 
this week? Uh, we are going to the emails and Ben, a great, uh, listener from the start had been begging us to do uh, a scanner darkly, which I have never seen. And I'm a huge Philip K. Dick fan, but it's one of those films that everybody kept was so lukewarm on that. I just kept pushing it down on the, the, to watch pile. But, um, you know, Ben's like, look, you, you guys have to talk about this one. So that that's next up on the schedule. Yep. Yep. I was going to try to read the book, but then I learned that it was kind of long. It's not one of those short stories. So I was like, eh, the movie will do just fine. So I can't go time to read. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thank you all for listening and going on this journey with us. Uh, We will be back in a few weeks to talk about Cowboy Bebop, the movie uh, for Zoe, Sammy and Troy. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. And that's all. See you, Space Cowboy.